Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. Men are really great at looking at qualifications. And, you know, if they have three of the ten, they feel completely qualified. Women often undervalue their experience. Two boards and commissions that women have the highest level of representation in in Missouri are arts and libraries. What is the the general time commitment? These are unpaid positions. New research from the University of Missouri-St. Louis and University of North Carolina shows that, compared to the state's population, the members of Missouri's appointed boards and commissions underrepresent women and people of color. Why is that the case, and what are the consequences of such disparities, and are there ways those gaps are being effectively addressed? Here to talk about the report's findings, we have Anita Mannion, Assistant Professor of Political Science and Affiliate Faculty Member in Gender Studies at the University of Missouri, St. Louis. Anita, welcome to the show again. Thank you. Thanks. Good to be here. Let's dive right into the report. Now, in Missouri... Women and people who are black are disproportionately underrepresented on boards and commissions in the state. To what extent is that true, and how much of a disparity is there? Well, my co-authors of this uh, report, Dr. David Kimball, Sapna Varki, and Jake Shaw, um, and I gathered this data very manually. And what we found was that while women make up 50.6% of the population in Missouri, they make up under 37% of the members of boards and commissions. And similarly, while almost 12% of the state's population is black, only 5.4% of the representation on boards and commissions is made of black members. Mm -hmm. And I mean, to what extent was that a surprise? Sadly, not terribly surprising, but it is important that we have the data to show this. So uh, I think that's an important step. And it's not readily available data. So we were very grateful to United We for funding it so we could gather all of that information. Mm -hmm. Now, before we talk about United We, I mean, why is it important that these members of boards and commissions represent the citizenry that they serve. And when we say citizenry, I mean, whom does that encompass? So whatever community you reside in, there are boards and commissions that make decisions impacting your everyday life, from where things can be built, how they can be built, what your libraries are doing. Um, All these different functions are largely influenced by volunteers who are residents of the community. And so when we have voices that are reflected in the community, we can have really robust, transparent conversations and decisions. But what we're finding is we don't have that representative um, population reflected. Mm-hmm. Now, you write that the gender disparity in particular is notable, um, and especially so on, quote, power boards. So what are power boards? And why is this something that is so important to pay attention to? Yeah, we gathered information. So we have information on over 12,000 members across the state and over 1,700 distinct boards and commissions. So to really think about those, we put them into categories. And so things like arts, parks and rec, planning and zoning, economic development. And 
not just our study, but previous studies have really identified that some of the boards have what we would think of as a stereotypically masculine um, mission. And those typically are the boards who wield the most power and the most resources. So we call those power boards. And that would be things like um, planning and zoning, economic development, budget and finance. And similar to other studies, we find that men, particularly white men, are really overrepresented on those power boards in Missouri. Mm -hmm. So that means that the voices of women and people of color are diminished on these boards that really have influence over things like segregation, housing prices, economic justice, and other issues. And then on the other side of that, as far as the stereotypically feminine, quote unquote, um, boards and commissions, what are those? So the two boards and commissions that women have the highest level of representation in in Missouri are arts and libraries. So um, probably not surprising again, but really important to document. Mm -hmm. And I would also note that while um, white people are overrepresented on boards and commissions, white men are particularly overrepresented, making up about 59% of all members of boards and commissions that we looked at. Okay, so pale male. Yeah, that's basically. right. Okay. Now, members of boards and commissions are appointed rather than elected. However, uh, there's a section of the report that provides an overview of gender disparity in elected positions in the nation's history. Here's United We President and CEO Wendy Doyle on why that section was important to include. It really demonstrates the need at all levels of civic participation, whether it be, you know, serving on a board or a commission at a city level that then could elevate to a county or state level position. But then those that are running for elected office, it continues to show the barriers at every level of participation. So, you know, if we're going to see some systemic change, we all, we often um, gravitate toward more local change because it can happen faster. And that's really the purpose of demonstrating the, the boards and commissions at the municipality level, that if we can make change at the at a more local level, perhaps that can then elevate to a county, a state level, and then on to elected office. Now, Anita, earlier you had talked about United We, and United We was the funder of this research. What is United We? They're an organization that focuses on women's civic engagement. And they're particularly interested in boards and commission service, as well as other aspects of women's civic engagement. And so they have an appointments project where they are working with local mayors and municipalities to increase participation. They're more focused on the gender side. Our report looks at an intersectional approach, both gender and race. Um, but as Wendy pointed out, not only is elected office important, boards and commissions are often a stepping stone to that elected office. And not all of us have that desire to run for office. Right. And so this is an opportunity that's more widely available to people in the community. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the stepping stone part of it goes, um, you said that's not necessarily what people are looking for. But then there are also uh, feelings that people have about whether they have what it takes. And Wendy Doyle says one reason there are fewer women on boards and commissions is that they don't feel that they're qualified enough. So the idea that they're not prepared for such positions, Wendy says, is one that the appointments project refutes. We often hear from women of, oh, I don't, I don't meet all the 
qualifications. You know, I'm not quite qualified for this particular position that I'm interested in when they bring a lot of experience and expertise to the table. And, and we know that men are really great at looking at qualifications. Um, and then, you know, if they have three of the 10, they feel completely qualified and ready, ready to take on the challenge. Women, women often undervalue their experience and expectation. And Wendy also acknowledges that women may be wary of the time commitment being on a municipal board or commission. Um, Women already do a lot at home and at work. Uh, Here's her suggestion for why they should consider it and who might benefit most from such an appointment. It is a tremendous professional development opportunity for those who are in the working world, but for those who may be in retirement or just starting their career, it's such a great opportunity and ways to give back to the community and also to continue to build network, but just represent your your perspective and point of view at the table. So what is the the general time commitment for these positions? And if someone is interested How do they go about applying for a spot, Anita? So both of those um, questions would depend on the municipality and on the board and commission. So some are time intensive. Some run in cycles where there might be months where they have not a lot of time commitment, but then times of the year where it's a pretty heavy commitment. And these are unpaid positions. So that is a barrier, particularly for women and people of color, because they are uncompensated. So you have to have the time, the child care, and the transportation to participate. Mm -hmm. So given that there are these kinds of barriers, it still remains that um, who is occupying these seats is consequential. So with land use, for example, you know, you found that homeowners make up 97% of land use boards. Now, how might that affect a city like St. Louis, where renters make up more than half of the housing market? Yeah, that was actually a study that was done by the Urban Institute, where they looked at the um, 50 largest metropolitan areas in the U.S. and their land use boards. And they found they were not representative in terms of race, gender, but particularly that they were almost entirely made up of homeowners. So if the people making the land use decisions in your community are entirely homeowners, there's only one perspective being represented. That's not renters. That's not even developers. It's folks who, you know, might have that NIMBY approach of not in my backyard when it comes to what regulations look like and what housing opportunities look like. Mm -hmm. We're talking with political science and gender studies professor Anita Mannion about new research out of the University of Missouri-St. Louis and University of North North Carolina, and it shows that Missouri's appointed boards and commissions underrepresent women and people of color. Um, there is an area, or there are a few areas in which there is high or quote overrepresentation um, of Black population, and that's that's my word, not one that's coming out of the the study. The boards that focus on community development, health human rights, and public safety have some of the highest representation of black members in Missouri. Um, And health is the only category where black Missourians' representation exceeds their proportion of the population by about 2.5%. Anita, is there anything that we can learn about these health category board appointments that we can apply in order to bring up representation of black residents in other categories? 
That's a great question. And yeah, health is the only category where Black Missourians are not underrepresented. And part of that could be that we have such glaring racial disparities in our health outcomes in Missouri. So that could both encourage Black members to apply to those boards and commissions and also encourage mayors and executives to appoint more Black members to those boards. But that's something we still need to unpack. The data doesn't necessarily tell us the why. Mm. It it gives us the numbers. Um, But we are having these conversations with board members, prospective board members, and mayors to really try to understand what the underlying issues are. Okay. Now, in 2014, um, United We launched the Appointments Project. And it aims to tackle gender inequity on civic boards and commissions by equipping women to navigate the appointment process at the city, county, and state levels. Here's United We President Wendy Doyle once again. We're seeing a lot of interest by women that want to serve in this capacity just because they're gaining more awareness of the opportunity. So that piece is working well. And the project you know, also engages municipal leaders to increase their diversity in boards and commissions. And they've worked with St. Louis Mayor Tashara Jones, County Executive, St. Louis County Executive Sam Page, and Webster Groves Mayor Laura Arnold. It's also a wonderful opportunity for the Appointments Project to work with elected officials to offer some education opportunities of some best practices on how the process could be easier to navigate and more transparent, such as making the application available online. We also encourage descriptions and clear expectations of what the boards and commissions requirements are. We oftentimes feel calls from women just, you know, no Knowing that there's limited time available, just how what the time commitment looks like, you know, the time of day the meetings are being held, are the meetings virtual or are they in person? Just some key, you know, really key information that would help inform someone who may be interested in applying. So Doyle says that Kansas City, Missouri, where United We's Appointments Project was first piloted, it's an example of a a big city, right, that's doing it well. What can you tell us about the makeup of Kansas City's boards and commissions? She's right. Kansas City is exceeding the state. They have about 49% women on their about 90 boards and commissions in the city. And they also have um, their population is about 72% white. And there's only about 60%, uh, I'm sorry, their population is 60% white, and they have 72% white on their boards and commissions. But race isn't really an area that United We is focused on. So they're doing well with gender, as is Webster Groves. They have about 48% women represented on their boards and commissions. Mm -hmm. And what is it that policymakers, elected leaders, and advocacy groups take away from this report? My hope is that, you know, we might have had a hunch. As you pointed out, there aren't the findings aren't particularly surprising, but now we have the data. And our report looks at Missouri statewide, but we have data in all these municipalities, and we're happy to talk to the mayors to provide that data, to have conversations about how to improve, do simple things like improving websites um, and getting the information out there to be more transparent and more diverse. Yeah. And has working on this report changed the way uh, that you think of boards, Anita, and commissions, particularly given that you, you're like a lifelong <laughs> Missouri resident? It's funny that you asked that because sincerely, as I was working on this, I had to ask myself, why am I not serving? Mm-hmm. And so that's something I'm looking at. I'm looking at St. Louis County's boards and commissions and if there's a place for me on those. 
And in just this final minute, what is it that you'll examine next or further around this topic of underrepresentation on civic boards and commissions? Well, we are interested in looking at do municipalities who have all of the information on their website, are their boards and commissions more representative? One of our surprising findings was that small municipalities are actually doing better at this in general than mm-hmm. large ones in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of having those qualitative conversations to unpack what's happening. So we'll be at the Missouri Municipal League Conference in a couple of weeks talking to mayors to really understand what's happening behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And then on the point of you know leaders who are already their current board and commission members, what should they be thinking about? really how to make this more accessible. So is transportation available or can you do Zoom or hybrid meetings? Is there any way to provide reimbursement for people who are donating their time? What does childcare look like? How can you get the information out to folks in your community and tap people who are currently underrepresented? Anita Mannion is Assistant Professor of Political Science and Affiliate Faculty Member in Gender Studies at the University of Missouri, St. Louis. Thank you again, Anita, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.